Good afternoon. This is Patrick D. McCoy, the African-American voice in classical music, and we welcome you to this very special edition of the show. Today we are honored to have with us one of the noted uh, music scholars in the area of sacred music, Dr. Owen Burdick, who is the current organist and choir master at the Church of Ascension and St. Agnes in Washington, D.C. Now, we all know that we recently had an earthquake that shook up things here on the East Coast. But not only did it shake up things on the East Coast, it shook up things in other places also. But as it relates to Washington, D.C. and Hamlet's Messiah, you're probably wondering, how do those things come about or come together? Well, it took Handel 24 days to compose Messiah, but it took only one day to shake up things here in Washington, D.C. And here with us we have Dr. Owen Burdick, who's going to talk to us about an upcoming performance of Handel's Messiah in benefit um, to the organ that was affected by the earthquake. Please welcome Dr. Owen Burdick. Good afternoon. Patrick, it's wonderful to be with you. Thank you for asking me to be on your show. Thank you so much, sir. Now tell me um, about the damage that happened to the organ as a result, as it uh, relates to the earthquake that we recently had. Well, <clears throat> you know, the August 23rd earthquake was about a 5.8, I think, uh, uh, on the Richter scale, and um, I don't think Washington, D.C. had experienced such a thing. I don't think the actuarial tables for insurance companies provide for insurance uh, benefits for churches and and so I don't think anybody was covered. Uh, I know the cathedral uh suffered catastrophic damage, you know, in the in the tens of millions of dollars. But according to um someone we have in our choir who works for the diocese, our church was the next hardest hit. And um it actually was a a pillar that came down from the steeple uh one of the steeples and hit the roof of the church uh that caused the most of the damage and uh, Patrick, it was not the actual earthquake, but it was the aftershock that dislodged mm-hmm. about 150 pounds, 200 pounds of lath and plaster uh, directly over the organ, right into the organ. And uh, of course, that, I don't need to tell you that that um, that smashed things up pretty good. Um, there are hunks of plaster sticking out of the mouths of the, some of the pipes, and some of the language, the mouths of the pipes got bent. So. Basically, the entire organ needs to be taken apart and uh, sent back to Canada. Le Tourneau is the builder, a wonderful, wonderful builder, and uh, it all needs to be cleaned and and, uh, put back right, and that's going to cost an estimated $140,000. So um, this benefit came up about as a result of just trying to scratch our heads and figure out, you know, how we would come up with this money in a a bunch of choir members went out for lunch after church one Sunday, and somebody said, well, how about a benefit? And, of course, Patrick, I don't need to tell you that benefits aren't too beneficial if they end up costing you more money than you make. Mm. But um, we 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 thought about it, and, and somebody said, well, why not Messiah? And I thought, oh, gosh, you know, that's a tall order to put that together. But we kind of thought about it, and... It's it's a wonderful you know rock and roll piece. It's one of those larger than life pieces that has a has a has a great following, as you know, probably more than any other piece at Christmas. And so we thought, okay, well let's let's look at it. And 
I don't know whether the Holy Spirit is looking down favorably upon this or not, but it seems like the planets have aligned and and we have this wonderful uh, um, concert master, John, uh, June Huang, you know, who is a wonderful expert in um, uh, early music, and she was able to do it. I wanted to play with her for years, and uh, she was able to do it, and she's able to put together an incredible orchestra. We have some of the best players in D.C., early instrument players joining us, and of course the choir is, is just superb, and we have some uh, additional forces coming in for that. So I think it's really going to be a wonderful performance, Patrick, and it's all to benefit the organ and, and get it repaired. It sounds wonderful. Talk to me more about the date and the time and if there's any ticket price associated with the performance. Sure. Well, um, the let's see. The performance is on December 18th, uh, Sunday, December, December 18th at 4 p.m., and uh, the ticket prices are there are three levels of tickets, um, $75, the most expensive, and that's in the center and the front, and then 55 is is the back half of the church, and then 35 are the side aisles. And they're all wonderful seats. I mean, actually, the church is small enough, beautiful acoustic, as you know. You've, you've, you've been there, but um, every seat in the house has a great view, so... Um, course we're trying to make as much money as we can for the organ and i think that's why the tickets are a bit pricey but you know we're just doing everything we can to raise as much money as we can i definitely would understand that now let's go back to when when you first heard about the damage to the organ um could you talk to me how did it hearten you or did it how did it resonate with you uh just a few years back to 9-11 when the organ damage uh, happened at Trinity Church because I know that that was a considerable damage that that happened there too. Could you maybe talk about the similarities or differences in that situation? Sure. Well, well, my colleagues and and, and friends and, and and joked that I seem to have this effect on effect on organs every ten years wherever I am. Um, 9/11, of course, was a Tuesday, and it was a beautiful morning. It happens to be my birthday, Patrick, and uh, oh. I was down there. I was down there on that day, about 600 feet from from ground zero, and the the debris uh, that that fell upon Trinity Church and St. Paul's Chapel just up the street um, was such that uh, it covered everything, and the the silicate or the uh, composition of that dust. Uh, we found out was not as as Christy Todd Whitman would have told us inert. It was actually quite alkaline, uh, dangerously so, and we know that now from people that were working on the pile and breathing the stuff uh, that it was is quite damaging. Anyway, the the stuff coated the organ, and um, within a few weeks just destroyed the leather, uh, ate through all of the leather in the organ and anything organic. And, and then there was this material you know you know about probably is called Perflex. And it was used as a substitute for leather uh, by the Aeolian Skinner Company. They, they tried using this synthetic leather and, and of course it, that was already on the way out. So the organ was, was in bad shape to begin with and and this dust just finished it off. Um, we were not allowed to actually get into the organ to examine it uh, for a number of weeks uh, following 9-11. You know, they made it a crime scene, and there was a 16-acre um, 
chain link fence around the entire perimeter, so you had to have all kinds of credentials to get in the place. But um, that 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 pretty much finished the organ off, and to repair it and, and restore it was just not worth it because the pedigree was not. It really wasn't a pedigree Aeolian Skinner. It was it was compromised before 9/11. So. That's a kind of a different situation, Patrick, but uh, I know eventually Trinity will replace its pipe organ, but they've had a pretty amazing digital organ in the interim. Hmm. Well, you know, just getting back to the organ as it relates to Messiah and the concert, I don't think you could have picked a better work to really draw the people in for such an occasion, even though it's a bad occasion to, about the organ be repaired. Messiah is certainly a drawing card. I mean, it's such a popular work, and you know it very well. Um, during your time at Trinity Church, you were cited many times in the in the New York Times uh, for your work uh, with Messiah. What, what keeps it alive for you each time you approach it? Well, it's it, it's one of those works that has taken on a life of its own, hasn't it? It's just one of those incredible things. I don't know how you can explain its popularity because, of course, there are other uh, Handel oratorios and operas that are just filled with the same kind of music. Um, but Messiah has kind of its its own life. And what's very interesting to me, of course, is that it started out as a piece that was done in Lent. It was never performed in Handel's lifetime during Christmas, it was always a Lent piece and kind of a loophole for opera. And um, so the fact that it's become associated with Christmas and it, and is hardly done at Lent uh, during Lent is a kind of a, a, a very great interest to me. But um, I don't know how you can explain it. It's just one of those you know karmic laws somehow that Messiah has become as popular as it has. Hmm. Now, I want to uh, digress a little bit because you had mentioned the fact that you had assembled some of the um, the best uh, early music players around D.C. And I want to know, how did your, uh, you know, I guess many people are used to perform a Messiah just with piano, organ, uh, whatever, uh, I guess, forces they have that are available to them. How did you make the transition to early music performance versus modern-day instruments? Well, that's that's interesting. We recorded the piece uh, for Noxus uh, at Trinity back in 1996, and that recording is still available. And I'm still very very much happy with it. it it's it's on uh, modern instruments, Patrick, um, and that's how we pretty much started uh, in the early days at Trinity. Um, and then I met a wonderful violinist by the name of Jorg Michael Schwartz and his wife Karen Marmer, and they have a a group called Rebel named for the composer, um, Rebel. And um, we met and we discussed uh, playing together. And and I think Messiah might have been one of the first pieces. It might have been a B minor mass. I can't remember. But we, we thought that we would try it, you know. And, uh, and it worked out so well using the early instruments and, and the results were so satisfying um, that we kind of, uh, oh, I don't know, we just... Tied the knot, you know, and and from that point forward, um, every uh, every Christmas we did Messiah and we did oh Saint Matthew Passion and Saint John Passion and B minor Mass and a host of wonderful pieces by Henry Purcell and operas and and so on it went and um, and the story with WQXR in New York is very interesting. 
after 9-11, so much money was being spent by Trinity on the relief effort, you know, that St. Paul's Chapel was sort of the nexus of, of the relief effort. And I think I remember Trinity was spending something like seventeen or $18,000 a day in helping the relief effort, that the rector just said, you know, we don't have any choice but to cancel Messiah uh, this year, the performance that we had scheduled. And, um, of course, that wasn't a lot of lead time. September 11th is not that far away from December. So we were we were crushed. But, I mean, of course, I understood that we just didn't have any money. And that's when WQXR came to the rescue because Trinity has this unbroken record of performing it in New York um, ever since, uh, we're told, ever since 1770, which is only 28 years after the premiere. And uh, the first performance of Messiah, I think the Handel and Haydn Society in Boston would like to claim that they have it, but actually Trinity Church um, performed, not the entire thing, Patrick, but this is funny, they performed parts of it. Um, the organist at the time, uh, in 1770 had just come over from England and brought Messiah with him and uh, at a at a little coffee shop across the street from Trinity who's no longer there of course it's been replaced by the Bank of New York but this is called Burns Coffee Shop and the very first arias and choruses from the Messiah were performed in Burns Coffee Shop as a benefit for the organist so he could pay his rent in jazz, we call that in jazz we call that a, a rent party, uh, and so it was a rent party for the organist. And uh, in sacralum sacralorum, Patrick, it will always be so. But anyway, that's that was the first performance of Messiah in 1770, and we're told that um, I don't know, and maybe it's a bit apocryphal, but we've been told that it's been performed every year since. So this unbroken record of 260 performances or whatever. Uh, was was going to be shattered, you see, and QXR came to the rescue, and they said that they would cover the expense of that performance. And so in uh, December of 2001, we performed it uh, live uh, over QXR. I'll tell you another little interesting tidbit. You've heard of XM Radio, undoubtedly, and, and Sirius, and I guess they, they merged. Uh, I'm told that the very first broadcast over XM Radio was our handle Messiah, the very first time XM Radio was used. And um, now that sounds like a lofty claim, but actually it's not so big a deal. Uh, apparently XM Radio was only available in Mercedes-Benz automobiles at the time. So unless you had a, a highfalutin Mercedes and were driving across the country and had your XM Radio tuned to QXR, you wouldn't have heard the performance. But uh, anyway, that's that's... That's that's uh, an interesting little bit of trivia. But QXR enjoyed the performance. We enjoyed QXR so much <clears throat> that we joined forces, uh, and every performance that we did from then on was broadcast uh, over WQXR. And so we, we had a wonderful relationship with them that lasts, I, I think, until the present day. That's fascinating. And, you know, you also taught me something today because – when I first saw the name of the book on some rebel, I just thought there was a whole bunch of early music specialists who didn't want to deal with uh, modern day instruments, so they rebelled. <laughs> 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 rebelled as a composer. 
<laughs> yes, indeed. Well, he he's a wonderful composer, and uh, and uh, Rebel has performed a number of works by Rebel, and um, I recommend them to you. Just a fabulous group. Wonderful. Now, talk to me about um, just briefly your transition to DC because we we know that we have this wonderful musician here, and you kind of crept in kind of quietly. How are things going at Ascension? And talk to me a little bit about your program there outside of Messiah. Well, um, we in in lieu of the organ, we are using the mighty uh, eighty-eight key Baldwin Acrosonic piano up in up in front of the church and. Um, you know, Patrick, they say if you have a lemon, learn how to make lemonade. So we're doing a lot of uh, a cappella works and, and a lot of Renaissance polyphony, and it just sounds glorious in the acoustic of Ascension. Ascension has a wonderful, wonderful acoustic. In fact, I think it's it's even better, if I can say so, than Trinity or St. Paul's in New York. Um, there are no subway lines running underneath it, and <clears throat> every seat in the house has a direct sight line to the front of the church, so the the sound is just glorious. There, there. I, I don't think you can have a better acoustic for Messiah. And uh, as far as my transition, well, after Trinity, I didn't really have a a good uh, ending there. It was it was difficult and painful, and uh, I ended up. Um, thinking that I needed sort of a mental car wash after 17 years of working there. And so I went up to a Tibetan monastery in uh, Nova Scotia called Gampo Abbey, and I was a, a resident monk there for what was going to be a year. And then uh, we didn't have, we were sort of isolated out in the middle of nowhere in, in Cape Breton Island up in Nova Scotia. And uh, the only form of communication with the outer world was email, and so a friend of mine uh, emailed me and said that uh, my predecessor here, Keg uh, Martirosian, was leaving uh, to become a new dean down in Tampa, Florida, and that the, the post was vacant. Would I be interested in it? Well, having just left Trinity and having so much pain associated with that, I wrote him back and I said, thank you so much but it'll be a cold day in hell before I work for the Episcopal Church again. But, but thanks for asking anyway. Well, he, he, was, he, he was persistent, and he wrote me back and said, you know, we've got a wonderful acoustic here. There's a beautiful new uh, a pipe organ, a Letourneau pipe organ. The choir is professional and wonderful sounding, and uh, the rector is, is just a wonderful guy, and... The whole thing is such that really, I think you really should look at it. I think you should think about it. So, well, I, I thought about it, and I got, I guess we, we, we decided that we would meet. And, and so I came down, and, and I fell in love with the place, and the rest is history, as they say. I, I've been happy here. It's, the liturgy, you know, here is Anglo-Catholic. And uh, that means that we sing an awful lot of music here every week, Patrick. Um, the choir has to get up and rehearse on Sunday mornings at the ungodly hour of 8.30. That's awful early for people to sing, but they come up dutifully at 8.30 and we practice for an hour and then the service starts at 10 and Mass is over by 11.30 every Sunday. But, you know, we sing an enormous amount of music. One of the frustrations that I had at Trinity was that as wonderful as the choir you know, was and is, um, they only sang about 
a four-minute offertory on Sundays and a four-minute communion piece and maybe the psalm, and the rest of the music was was congregational, which is lovely. That's wonderful. But when you have a professional choir that's costing $17.50 a minute, you kind of want to use them. <laughs> so we... we uh, we felt oftentimes like we were a Lamborghini in first gear up there. Uh, you're never able to get out and really, you know, strut our stuff. But here at Ascension, we we uh, we sing everything. We sing the propers, the Gregorian propers. We sing the psalm. We sing a full Eucharist every week. So there are 52 weeks that have to be covered. And uh, we sing an offertory and a communion. So it's about, I would say, about 30, 35 minutes of music every week. And that's a lot to prepare, but the choir is just magnificent. I'm very, very proud of their of their musicianship and their industry. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Burdick, for being on today. And just as we close, would you be willing again just to give us the, the final recap of, of the Messiah and all the particulars so we can be sure to come and support that event? Sure. Well, I just want to say one one thing about it, Patrick, that might be of interest, if I may. Do we have time for another little Sure, tidbit? sure. Um, Messiah was conducted, as far as my, my understanding goes, Patrick, Messiah was conducted 36 times in Handel's lifetime. And a lot of people like to claim that they have uh, researched it and can recreate the first performance, the premier performance of Messiah, which occurred on April 15, 1742 in Dublin. And my uh, interest is really not in the first performance, Patrick. My interest is in the last performance. Because as a composer, you yourself would know that, you know, after conducting the piece personally 36 times, Handel made changes. And I'm interested not in the first performance, Patrick, but in the last performance. And so I have a wonderful facsimile of his conducting score, which I use, and that's been really my Bible in, in informing this performance. And Handel made cuts, and he made changes, and you can see them all in pencil, because obviously the way we have that conducting score is the last performance uh, version. And, for instance, Rejoice, uh, the wonderful soprano aria, was originally written in 4-4, and then they tried it out in 12-8 as sort of a jig, and Handel finally rejected that and went back to the 4-4 version. And he made a big cut in the back end of the piece. He cut out the, the how beautiful are the feet. I guess he didn't like feet very much and cut out, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, cut out the company of angels. And uh, anyway, there, there, there's a shortcut that we, we do. And um, and what we're trying to uh, to recreate here, Patrick, is is this last performance, which is very exciting. And the entire, we're not out to set a land speed record or anything, but the entire performance runs only two and a half hours with a 15-minute intermission included. So uh, that's December 18th at 4 p.m., and people will be on the road by 6.30, I promise. And um, <laughs> tickets are, are $75, $55, and $35. And uh, if you go to the Ascension uh, website, Ascension and St. Agnes, or if you look at Facebook, Ascension and St. Agnes, you can get the the uh, the URL or the website. It's Brown Paper Tickets, I think, is selling the tickets for us. And um, it's easy enough to go online and, and find them. Or you can buy tickets here at the church on Sunday after service. So that's Sunday, December 18th, 4 p.m. And thank you so much, Patrick, for having me on. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. 
Thank you so much. Again, we've been listening to the organist and choir master at Ascension and St. Agnes Church, Dr. Owen Verdick, who is also the former music director at Trinity Church Wall Street. Again, please do take a moment out of your time to support the performance of Messiah on Sunday, December the 18th, in efforts to repair the organ damaged by the aftershocks of the August earthquake. Thank you so much, Dr. Burke, for being on today. Again, you have been listening to this interview with Dr. J. Owen Burdick, the Director of Music, Organist Choir Master at the Church of the Ascension in St. Agnes. As you just recalled, uh, he was recounting the fact that the organ maintained considerable damage. You know, we've heard about all these other places and venues that, you know, um, have suffered damage, but the organ at this church has um, suffered damage. So please, if you can support uh, that particular performance, I would encourage you to do so. We're going to take a short break, and at 12.30, I am going to begin taking calls. How did you first discover this glorious oratorio, Handel's Messiah? How did you find out about it? How did you get introduced to it? Was it the soloist that moved you? Was it the orchestra? I'm going to share my story just after this short break. Thank you. 
Good afternoon. This is Patrick D. McCoy, the African-American voice in classical music. For those of you who are just joining this show, we are delighted to talk to Dr. J. Owen Burdick, who is the organist choir master at the Church of the Ascension in St. Agnes in Washington, D.C. Dr. Burdick talked to us about the fact that they are presenting a very special performance of Handel's Messiah, the Timeless Oratorio, on December the 8th. This performance is actually to support the damage that was in uh occurred that the damage that occurred to the organ there at the church and this performance is gonna help to offset some of those repairs. Now, for the second half of the show, I wanna hear from you all. I wanna hear from some callers. How were you exposed to Handel's Messiah? Handel's Messiah is probably the greatest choral work performed in the English speaking world. And I just want to know, on this first day of December, as we usher in the holiday season, the Christmas season, how will you expose this work? I'm going to start sharing my story, and then hopefully as I'm talking, we can get some callers. And if not, maybe this um, show could spark a uh, conversation at a later date. How would you expose to handle the Messiah, the great oratorio? Now, what is the oratorio? For those of you who... Uh, listening. Some of you have heard that word before, and especially when it's used in terms of an, an oratorio society. Now, an oratorio is basically a sacred work. It's based on a biblical text, and it tells a story, but there is no costumes or scenery. The scripture or the, the sacred text tells the story. Now, I want to talk to you about my first experience, how I was exposed to Handel's Messiah. Well, it goes like this. I was a teenager, probably about 13, 14, growing up in my hometown of Petersburg, Virginia, which is 30 minutes south of Richmond, Virginia. Now, I was introduced to a church in my town. It was The name of the church was West End Baptist Church, and they had a very fine, a very great music director there. His name was Dr. James F. Pete, Jr., and as I started singing in the choir there, as we approached Christmas, the the first thing that was mentioned was we're going to perform Handel's Messiah. Now, I had heard of Handel's Messiah, and I just heard people say Handel's Messiah, I'm going to Handel's Messiah. But I always thought to myself, what is Handel's Messiah? I just always curious. And before we knew it, or before I knew it, rather, we started rehearsing Messiah, and I got this big, big book. And I would later learn that it was the Baron Ryder score of uh, Handel's Messiah. Now, for those of you who collect sheet music and so forth or buy music, you know, Baron Ryder is one of your big uh, German publishers of of scores, of authentic scores of, of music, especially your scholarly, more scholarly editions. And other church choirs may use uh, the Novello score or they may use a G. Sherman score. But this particular performance, we use the Baron Ryder score, big blue score. But anyway, I just felt so much excitement going to these rehearsals, preparing for Messiah, uh, learning the hard courses. It is a very hard work if you're not used to singing it. And as a teenager, I was kind of overwhelmed because you had all those those running notes together, which you would later, later call hemiolas or melismas, and, they, and it was just so much energy that it took. But we rehearsed that Messiah, rehearsed and rehearsed, Thursday night after Thursday night. Oh, I'm sorry. Not, I'm, I'm mixing my rehearsals up. Actually, back then it was Wednesday night rehearsal. We were rehearsing Messiah week after week, week after week, week after week. We were starting September. And then when we performed it, I just felt 
such majesty, such joy, such reverence. And I never experienced these things in the context of one particular piece. And before for that performance, we had wonderful soloists. I remember we had wonderful soloists from the Richmond, Virginia area, and we had members of the Richmond Symphony. But I just wanted to say it was just a glorious feeling to be at that age, around 13 and 14, standing, you know, in this setting, singing one of the world's greatest choral works. The church was just packed full of people. And it amazes me as I look back on this and reflect even now how Messiah, after all of these years, has the ability still to just just pack houses and just to inspire hearts everywhere. Um, even in my adult life, I have heard people say, and I, yesterday I've heard people say, you know, we perform Messiah every year. I'm tired of Messiah. I want to do something else. But, you know, I I just have thought to myself and the, the experiences I've had, I, I just um, thought out loud earlier today how I've been to many Messiah performances where there have been basically, you know, mediocre performances, whether it's just, you know, choirs doing the best they can, soloists doing the best they can, orchestras or piano or organists, you know, pianists or organists doing the best they can. But to go to a Messiah where everything is in order, where, you know, you have the spirit of excellence across the board over the event, it just makes it a worthwhile experience. So I would encourage everyone under the sound of my voice not to count Messiah out, you know, because you've heard it many times. You know, I know it's a temptation to hear that you've heard this work many times and and so forth, but it's a wonderful, joyous work, and it still has the power to move people just beyond belief. Uh, Living here in Washington, D.C., when I first moved here, um, like most people, I had heard Messiah so many times so many times. And then I was introduced to a performance at uh, the Shallow Baptist Church, the historic Shallow Baptist Church at 9th and P Street here in Northwest Washington. They perform Messiah every year, and I had always heard of the Messiah at Shallow, but I had never gone to the performance until till that year. And when I went to that performance, I had been to Messiah's in the concert hall setting and so forth, where people are just sitting there and you clap at appropriate places, and that's fine. That's what you do, and I don't discourage that because if you ask them the voice of classical music, I want to always encourage um, proper concert etiquette, you know, wherever it's appropriate. But, however, in this setting uh, of Messiah, it's done with the spirit of excellence, but there's room uh for the Holy Spirit to move in that situation. And so the really just music just really speaks. And in this particular situation, I could just see the joy and I could see the reverence and the holiness of God over this choir and the soloist. It just, it just moved me. And I never really looked at Messiah again. I never looked at Messiah again the same way as just being the same old, same old. And I'm sure there are other people who have had experiences with Messiah like this. I just got a wonderful note on Facebook, on my Facebook page, from my dear friend in New York, Patrice Pace Eaton, uh, who, uh, Patricia Pace Eaton, excuse me, who uh, I get always get her confused, her daughter. But Ms. Eaton just sent me a note on Facebook letting me know that she has performed Messiah over for over 50, just about 50 years she's been performing Messiah um, in, you know, in Chicago or in her home. And now in New York, you know, they're about to perform Messiah at, at the historic Abyssinian church there. 
tomorrow night. So it's it's wonderful to hear these kinds of stories as we begin the first day of December, how people have just been inspired uh, by this work. And I want to hear from you all, just while I'm waiting for some people to call about this, I do want to let you all know about a few messiahs that are going to be happening in the Washington, D.C. area, and um, I'm going to put the exact details um, up um, later on Facebook and also on my blog. For those of you who follow me, I'm Patrick B. McCoy, the African American Voice in Classical Music on, on Facebook. And you can also uh, follow my column, D.C. Performing Arts Examiner, at examiner.com. But I want to let you know about a few messiahs that are happening so you can at least put these dates on your calendar. December 4th, uh, there will be performances of Messiah at the Metropolitan AME Church in downtown Washington and also Trinity Episcopal Church in northwest Washington off of Tiny Branch Road. December 11th is the annual uh, performance at the historic Shallow Baptist Church on 9th and T Street. December 15th through the 18th, the National Symphony Orchestra will perform Messiah with the University of Maryland Choir. That's going to be December 15th through the 18th. You can check the Kennedy Center website for those explicit details, kennedy-center.org. Then on Saturday, December 17th, during the Sabbath worship, they'll be presenting uh, Messiah at Capitol Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church. Again, that is on December the 17th on Saturday, December 17th, under the direction of Ramon Bryant. Also, um, finally, I have, of course, a traditional Messiah sing-along that happens on December the 23rd at the Kenny Center. So I just wanted to put those dates out to you. I know that there are numerous Messiahs uh, that are happening around town and, uh, and, and really around the community and throughout the world, but I wanted to definitely put that uh, bugging your ear as far as the dates, so you can put those um, on your calendar. Um, uh, just in closing, I don't see that many people are responding, but I'm sure that this this show about Handel's Messiah will spark some kind of interest, and I do hope that you are able to attend a performance of Messiah. Again, I'm going to put the entire calendar of different messiahs um, up on my blog and up on Facebook and so forth. Again, if you have an opportunity to attend a Messiah, even in your hometown, I would encourage you to do so. Again, December 4th, Metropolitan AME Church and Trinity Episcopal Church are presenting Messiah at their respective churches. December 11th, Shiloh Baptist Church at 9th and P Street. You have December 15th through the 18th, the National Symphony Orchestra performances of Messiah with the University of Maryland Choir. December the 17th, Capitol Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church performance during their Sabbath worship on Saturday, and then the Messiah sing-along on December 23rd. So, again, these are some wonderful opportunities to hear this timeless masterwork, and I do thank you all for joining me in the first half of the show for that wonderful talk with Jay Owen Burdick, who is the organist choir master at Ascension and St. Agnes Church in Washington, D.C. Again, please definitely support that program on December 18th as it is to help raise funds to restore and repair the organ, the liturgical organ, which is a magnificent instrument that was basically destroyed during the uh, aftershocks um, of the earthquake. Again, I am Patrick D. McCoy the African American Voice and Classical Music. And I do hope you keep posted to the show as we celebrate our anniversary on December 15th, and I hope that we're able uh, to return back to our first guest for our anniversary, which you'll get more details 
uh, about. Again, this is Patrick B. McCoy, the African American voice and craft of music. I do hope that you have a wonderful day. And just one more thing, if you may have noticed the brass music that, that you were listening to during the break, that was a wonderful recording of the holiday chorus for brass and organ, and that was uh, a wonderful recording that I heard in looking for uh, classical music. That was performed by uh, the Unifor Brass Ensemble, and um, the arrangement was by Dr. Daniel Kaiser, who is professor of music at Lenore Ryan College. And uh, if you're interested in, in securing that brass instrument, and, you know, brass is always great for the holidays, if you're interested in securing uh, that brass uh, arrangement or any other brass arrangements for that matter, uh, take a moment to contact Dr. Kaiser at K-I-S-E-R at L-R dot E-D-U. Again, that was Dr. Kaiser and the Unifor Brass Ensemble, which you heard in the Holiday of Course by Handel. Again, this has been Patrick B. McCoy, the African American Voice of Classical Music. I wish you all a wonderful day, and I hope that you continue to usher in the joy of the Christmas season. <laughs> 